Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. I'm Dave Cho, and I'm I'm I'm. I'll, I'll I'll tell the audience what I'm feeling right now. I I listen to and I watch Kayfabe uh, whenever I can. It's my favorite thing to listen to because I love comic books. And the the out of body, you know, I'm sitting here. We just did a breakdown of Frank Miller and what it was like to meet him. My comic book week, talking about GI Joe, like. I'm 45 having the conversations that I, I wanted desperately to have with another person. Like I've never in my fucking life had a conversation with another human being about <laughs> chuckles. I've never talked about chuckles out loud in my life. So I'm like kind of, I guess I'm a little bit out of it. And in the same way master masturbation is a solitary sport and drawing is a solitary sport. Reading a comic book is a solitary sport. So it's been so fun for me to watch you guys break down a comic and see your beautiful hands turn the pages. And it's like, wow, this thing, this masturbatory thing that I've just only done by myself my entire life. I've only read comic books by myself, my imagination, my thoughts, what I thought about the art, what I thought about the inking. It's only been that. And maybe I'll talk about someone after, but I've never sat next to someone shoulder to shoulder and read a comic book together. It's a very like intimate experience. And I'll be your lucky Pierre, middle of the human Oh, no, 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 David. You you get it all wrong, man. We're sitting around in a circle. <laughs> Let's drop our pants and fucking drop it all over this fucking hockey mask right here. Oh, my Casey God. Casey Jones so is getting it. I'm so glad we're doing this. I'll, I'll just tell you guys my, because we're just kind of hitting all the sweet spots for me. Like I said, G.I. Joe, 75 cents, three quarters at the 7-Eleven until this very, very visceral moment in my childhood, uh, uh, elementary school behind the basketball courts. Um, this guy, Hutan, Persian guy, his older brother, Man, gave him these comics. And up until then, it was only, only um, G.I. Joe. And he takes out of his backpack, you know, garbage pail kids. I, it blew my mind, <laughs> you know, graffiti PD. I'm like, this is amazing. I've never seen anything like this. He has a cassette tape of a two live crew starts playing it on the I'm like, this guy just said the F word in a song and his name's Luke Skywalker. I'm like, <laughs> and he keeps, you know, it's just like one thing. he pulls out uh, Richard Corbin reprint Teenage Ninja Turtles. The best way I could describe Richard Corbin's art to me is it's just horny. It's horny art. Like everyone's like ripped and glistening and muscly and April O'Neil's yellow jumpsuit with her cleavage coming out. Um, and 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 uh, he brought out Cherry Comics and another adult comic, adult theme, uh, Red Fox. And I just remember that moment because I remember the music. I remember the Garbage Pail Kids and like everything felt like a fuck you. It was so if you talk about things that shaped your childhood and and he also had a, the issue of Donatello, which I know you guys have already done. That was that one was mind blowing. And it, and that was back in the days when all the turtles had red bandanas. So like the red bikini on red fox and the red bandana on all the turtles. And I just remember this red color and, and, and it just stayed with me. And and when you guys asked to do Raphael today, he's the he's the turtle that I relate to the most. I think he's, uh, you know, just the stats on him. I think he's the strongest physically of uh, of all the Ninja Turtles, and that's not the part I relate to. He's just, I think he's the most sarcastic. He's the most like shit talking, the most stubborn. And um, it's just like this this dynamic duo of him. He's a psychopath, and then he's with this guy, Casey Jones, who's a psychopath. Is It reminds me of my friendship with uh, Harry Kim, who I did all this hitchhiking videos for Vice on Thumbs Up. And like, who doesn't like a buddy cop, you know, buddy buddy movie, so. I'm just I'm just so happy right now to be having this like out of body experience with you guys. Real quick before we continue, Jimmy and I are cartoonists ourselves. Right now I have Red Room the Antisocial Network out on the stands. Uh, the trade paperback has about 70 pages of extra material that is not found in the issues. So if you have the issues, there's a lot of added value to grabbing the trade. If you missed out on an issue, you could grab the big book. Every story is self-contained, though. So if you see an issue on the stands, scoop it up. You're going to get a complete experience. And coming next year, 2022, which is rapidly approaching, uh, Red Room Trigger Warnings, uh, issue one is going to be coming out in February. This is the standard cover, the Eddie P variant. 
the Peach Bomboko retail incentive variant and the classic Jim Rug by way of Robert Crumb Zap Comics Zero variant uh, coming out in February. It also will be a series of self-contained stories. So if you see an issue, just scoop it up. Hot off the presses, man, is uh, the announcement for Jim Rugs. Hulk Grand Design coming out in March, is it, Jim? March 2022. March 2022. Uh, two issues. Hulk Monster and what's the other one? Hulk Madness. Hulk Madness. Uh, 40 pages. Jim taking 10,000 pages of comics material from 40 years of incredible Hulk lore, condensing it down into an, a high-octane comic book that is relentlessly energetic. You're going to want to get your hands on it. And there are variants that are promoted uh, with that also, man. A Peach Momoko variant. I had to do one. Uh, who's the other fella? Marcos Martin. Anything else you want to say about it real quick? No, that sums it up really well. Uh, it's the opposite of decompressed storytelling. It's a perfect jumping on point celebrating the 60th anniversary of the Hulk's creation. So mark it on your calendars. March 2022. Tell your local comic shop proprietor that you want copies of this. We have link trees in the description below this video where you can get to all our stuff. Now that we're done paying the bills, let's get back to the video. So cool kicking it with you, David. Uh, you mentioned that Donatello issue and there were these four micro series. Like every turtle got one. Yeah. And felt like this is the opportunity for Eastman and Laird to inject some real personality in, into the Turtles because there might be a little glimmer of it in the regular series. But now you have an entire issue focused on the character. And I think like the Donatello issue, we really like turn up the, the um, you know, computer whiz nerd part of Donatello's personality. And Raphael, he's the hothead. Uh, right. He's the hothead. And he's going to be meeting a character who's an even hotter head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's dive in. We could spend some time on this editorial. Like, <laughs> like this, this is this is important stuff. This is one of those great moments in, um, like, American culture where, like, the American dream mm -hmm. is for real, you know? Like, the that first issue of Turtles where they're borrowing money from Uncle Quentin, mm -hmm. doing 3,000 copies, selling it out wash rinse repeat several printings jimmy you want to pull out some some pieces from this thing man because it, it like it gives me chills this editorial dude because they they don't know they don't know what what's about to happen for them yeah we should say this is a 1987 release and so they're talking about this all started back in august of 1986 because kevin eastman has a secret and he's been carrying the secret around for over a year now and what that secret is the, it's the promotion of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to make a five-part miniseries, half-hour episodes of an animated series. It's to create ten different action figures, all four Turtles, Splinter, April, Shredder, a Foot Ninja, two new evil characters, Rocksteady and Bebop. And basically, this is them outlining what they've been doing for a year as, like, getting ready to see if they can turn the Turtles into something else, you know, something beyond this comic book. And this is the first time that he's able to talk about it and like we always get excited about this editorial because this is like a life-changing moment you know this mm. is something that like they write this they put this issue out you know it's a reprint of, of the first Raphael one shot they put this thing out and it's like all right guys you know tell your local toy stores uh, start asking them if they're going to carry the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys you know like they don't know what's going to happen here this is just plans that have been in the works for a while and it's all going to hit hit the floor February 1988 this stuff is going to start to be rolled out and at this point, Kevin Eastman doesn't know what the outcome of that is. He just knows he can finally talk about it. And that's what this is. It's announcing the, the expansion of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles into other media, into toys, into cartoons. Stuff like coloring books, puzzles, like there's a real promotional push. And it really seems like everything's far along. Announcement of the Archie comic series. There's like five, six different pieces of licensed material. But you could tell that these guys are still a little nervous and still hedging their bets a little bit at the end where they're just like, it looks good. It's out of our control. We're holding good thoughts. If you guys can just, uh, you know, ask your local uh, television station, which by the way, who does that? Like, yeah, you're just, right. just going to go to WPGH <laughs> well, Fox and say, well, I, look, I want to well, see look, some I, I, I was in 1987. I was 11 or 12 when this came out. And I did do that. Like my local shop was um, Golden Apple on Pico, which isn't there anymore. Now it's on Melrose. And I would ride my bike with my brothers like half an hour. And, you know, this this editorial, like 
you know, and, and you guys know I won the Zurich grant, which is by Peter Laird. Like, th this is it, man. This is fucking it. And even I was thinking right now, as you guys were going through the, th this is one of the greatest editorials ever because it's two guys just trying to make their dream happen and asking for support and help. I did go to my local shop and I'm like, hey, you guys going to carry the Turtles toys? And, and just even seeing the first printings of Teenage Ninja Turtles 1 and it was oversized and it wasn't the same size as other comics. And it was just you know, black and white with just one other color and it just looked different. And you're like, why is that 50 bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever it was back then? I think this comic's like $2,000 now, but whatever it was then I was like, holy shit, comics should be 75 cents. Why is that so expensive? And they're like, because there was a little print, run, you know, explaining it to an 11 year old because there was a little print run and this and that. And this is the same conversation I had like this, this last week, talking to the God, Frank Miller, or talking to Daniel Warren Johnson or all these guys, it's like they're getting courted by DC and Marvel right now to make Wonder Woman better, to make Beta Ray Bill better, to make Batman better, to make all these characters better. And I'm like, here's the fucking blueprint right here. Make your own, make your own shit. Like, why are you giving your, you know, when, when we, you know, there's a spawn meter for every human being on the planet, right? And, and when I read the, the, Punisher 94 and 95 and I'm like this you have a certain amount of energy in you to draw a certain insane style are you going to give it to Marvel and the Punisher or are you going to give it to yourself and when I read these issues I'm like oh these fuckers gave it to themselves because if you do a killer killer dark knight and Frank Miller kind of did it he did it for DC and then he did it for himself he did Sin City and all that so that's kind of like where I'm at in my life it's nice to be asked by like a huge multinational corporation to be like, Hey, can you, here's the keys to Superman. Here's the keys to this. But this, this like entrepreneur spirit, this, like, we don't know if we're going to like make it, but we're going to try to make, make it our own way and do our own thing. And God, I remember asking, can you guys please carry the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys? They came in at that point, the only female toy I'd ever bought or shoplifted was Scarlet which, you know, the first Scarlet toy was not that sexy. Forever in my mind, a yellow jumpsuit with the zipper down, with the cleavage showing. Like, that was the sexiest toy I'd ever gotten. Definitely rubbed the tits on that one um, as an 11-year-old super horny kid. Wow. And, that, and you know what, let's talk about that that real quick because uh, the designs for uh, that April O'Neil figure and, you know, the Krang body and stuff like that, that's a, that's a young Peter Chung is working for Murakami Wolf to uh, to you know do design work for uh, for the for the series. You know Peter Chung uh, does the storyboards uh, for the opening sequence of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon. Probably like one of the most iconic opening sequences of an American cartoon. Think if about you guys the listen to the the shoot interview with Peter Chung. So sick. Amazing. Some of my female action figures. <laughs> All right, let me see who we have here. I got Silverhawks, Psylocke, Catwoman, and Tila. <laughs> and I was a horny kid. Don't I, I couldn't find my April O'Neil. It's probably in a box somewhere. Or you know, spur of the moment. It's in, it's in a different room. Or maybe I threw it away in shame or something. But <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah. I I don't know how many times I've drawn. Raphael and all the turtles just from these early Eastman layered. I mean, it's so good. I love the tail that the Eastman and Laird draws because it really looks like a little ding piece inside, yeah. in between yeah. the legs there. <laughs> it looks like a little shriveled up sack or it looks like they're pooping all the time, which <laughs> they got rid of for the cartoons, right? Yes, sir. Man, I love their original lettering too. Like yeah. It just all works so well on the page. Real italic and you can tell it's got that deadline from a um, rapidograph probably. Mm-hmm. You're mentioning, uh, you know, Peter Chung coming on board for the cartoon, Ed. Think about the luck involved, because who knows who Peter Chung is in 1986, mm -hmm. uh, let alone being lucky enough that he's on your show, you know, like he's doing real work on your show and on development. Like, that is just an out-of-your-hands stroke of luck. Um, but DNA of Peter Chung now in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, it's amazing. It's, it's super cool. Now, that Donatello issue that we were talking about earlier, that's firmly planted in the Peter Laird side of the division of labor, but the Raphael hothead character, that's East, mm -hmm. that's an Eastman uh, yeah. design. And this is the, the more Kevin Eastman 
uh, issue of of those micro series. There's that dang piece again. <laughs> I won't point them all out, but when they're in shadow, it's just obscene. Yeah. <laughs> I'll point another one out. <laughs> I love this fight stuff too. Like they're so into the choreography, you know, like catching a punch and stuff. It's mm -hmm. you, you, you can kind of see that Frank Miller DNA as well. Uh, Kevin Eastman, obviously a fan of Ronan, Daredevil and stuff. And it's playing out in these pages in these fight scenes. Like they're, they're very considered. Yeah, totally, man. And, and the story's pretty simple. Uh, Raphael, he's practicing with the boys. Uh, he gets he gets one, you know, Michelangelo gets one over on him or something. He he gets a little feisty, pulls up a monkey wrench because he's seeing red. It's it's dude, it's that teenage like mm -hmm. you see he's red and, and you tell tell your mom and dad, fuck you, and then you yep. regret it instantaneously. Like that's I'm out of here. <laughs> Drawing. Yeah, don't don't forget they're teenagers yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> it's a great characterization for that reason like like you know we were talking about fighting earlier it's like most of the people i got in fights with were my friends you know whenever mm -hmm. i was this age it was just like right. you know you're you that's a teenage boy is like you're just ready to go it doesn't take too much yeah if you ain't fucking you're fighting drawing right. in that duo tone is incredibly dope man and i'm you know i'm using this kind of medium for my current comics so I'm looking at a lot of duotone stuff and seeing strokes like this where they're drawn an entire background and it creates that depth of field where mm -hmm. we see the character so clearly and the background just kind of fuzzes out. That's real sharp. You could tell that these guys, they wouldn't have done that in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue one. They got like 150 pages under their belt and they're just way more confident with the tools, man. Look at that shit right there, dude. That's sick as fuck. Yeah, yeah it's great stuff. Sick. They get the that. most out of this newsprint, you know, black and white on newsprint. Like they, they have, this is about as much as you can do with it. You know, with the duo shade, the big lettering and stuff, it just all is designed almost to be the best black and white comic you can make. And, and it works. It, just the fact that you're like, how would you have four turtles? And, you know, I know in the toys and the cartoon later, they changed the bandana colors, but, and by the way, doing Donatello, no, no service at all. It's like, you have the character with the the dinkiest weapon, and then you made him like the purple one. Come on, <laughs> like, like I'm guessing he is the worst selling toy out of all four. But you know, when you read it and and it just works, you're like, that sounds like a nightmare to draw in black and white four characters that look exactly the same. Only difference is the the weapons, but it works. You know, yeah, it really does, man. I didn't, I hadn't noticed this in previous readings, but the perspective is so wonky on all these rooftops, and I love it. <laughs> Yeah, they're, eye, they're eyeballing stuff. You know what? This is right when uh, Raphael splits. And they're all sad because Splinter has disappeared. He's been captured by Mousers or whatever. They have to stay at April O'Neil's pad. And they're embarrassing Raph. Like, listen, we're in a new place. Like, you got you to gotta cool out. Uh, so when Raph leaves, he decides to, like, break through, like, a window pane and destroy some of April's, you know, <laughs> house. <laughs> That's a real Teenage. cranky pants. Teenager. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he even says it down here. Everything seemed like everything went blank. All I could feel was intense anger. I remember mm -hmm. thinking that exact uh, thought balloon. I remember that thing. And, and this page of, you know, introing Casey Jones, it's like, this is a very strange feeling inside my heart and my body right now because I, I, like, I didn't, like, my room looked exactly like that all through my 20s and 30s, like just comic books, like not the weights, but everything else, like that level of dirtiness. And at that age, 11, when I was, you know, eight, eight to like 12 reading this stuff, this was in the same way that I, I hear my mom's voice yelling, like graffiti artist is not a real job. In my mind, I thought I was actually going to be a vigilante. That was a real job option for me. Not like, and I knew Batman was unreachable because, you know, I'm not a billionaire, but Punisher, I could, I could see myself, you know, just killing people or, you know, and even more realistic hitting someone with a bat or a golf club and like not having enough money for a costume. So just wearing a hockey mask. I was, and, I was, I was telling Jimmy like earlier when, cause I, like I'm a couple years younger, uh, when this Casey Jones toy came out, when the movie came out yeah. and, uh, you see this like golf bag with all the implements back there you know we were walking around with our jansport backpacks and putting any kind of stick or yeah. twig or whatever kind of like bat that they give you at the pirates game uh to just try to like uh, as like a favor to to come to the stadium that day 
Like we were walking around with that shit ready to go, just looking for crimes. Like, <laughs> like, like, just let, let me see some old lady get her pocketbook stolen because we're gonna we're gonna give some guy the what for? Give him a splinter with our little stick. That's always the funniest thing in a comic book is is finding the the person being mugged or whatever just conveniently whenever you have your golf bag of toy weapons. There were those guys in uh, the Pacific Northwest, like Phoenix Jones and these other like real life superhero guys. And Mm -hmm. there would be videos of them like on their night out on the prowl. And it just seems that when very drunk people see some goofball in a costume... Like they just want to fight them, of course. Yeah. So, like they're just oh, they're yeah. they're ready to do some crimes, man. Yeah. And, and then if you watch enough of those videos, which which I've I've watched several, <laughs> Phoenix Jones, like that dude needs to up his like pepper spray game, cause like he'll even <laughs> spray it in a chick's face, and the chick will still pounce on him. Like yeah. it, it stings. It just makes him mad. He's got to use um, bear spray. Yeah. That's what that's what someone said. Yeah. But like this this this. Yeah, this whole vigilante shit, him like having his De Niro taxi driver moment, like someone needs to clean up the streets, talking to himself out loud. I'm so embarrassed to say this, but if you found my 11, 12 year old journals, like I'm writing like, what do I want to be one day? Like, make sure you make weapons and like, you know, like watching like the A-team where they always make their own weapons and MacGyver, like that's a product of like, I'm like, oh, you make your own weapons and then you go out into the world and you help people. You beat up bad guys and, you know, always fighting, always hitting, always shooting. Something. This is the trope of like the 80s black and white boom comics. It's always mm-hmm. the vigilante that's out to clean up this, his, his yeah. city. It was in the yeah. air in those 80s. Like the, you had your dirty hairy flicks. You had your death wish, Paul Kersey, freaking Charles Bronson shits. In New York, you had the straight up Bernard Getz. Uh, <laughs> you had the guardian angels with the red berets. And, and yep. by the way, I feel like. We could take on like half those like guardian angels, man, that I remember seeing on Geraldo back in the day. Look real doughy and like, like they watch a like they watch a lot of Death Wish movies and 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 decide to go out on the prowl. That's a funny characterization because Casey Jones, three TVs lined up here in his little uh, in his little dude, he's squalor. He's going Ozzy Mendias, fucking Watchmen, <laughs> Watchmen episode eleven, taking in some information. He looks so good, though. It's such a fun design. Great like, mask. I remember, I think before I had even gotten a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, just being in love with the uh, with seeing a picture of this design. Like, it's mm-hmm. a perfect design for a character like this. And that carries over with the with the action figure. That, like, the entire design, uh, down to that little half shirt that looks so un, uh, un-badass. It's but all it, in there. It works. It works. You know? I'm seeing, I'm seeing, uh, you know, the the Miller storytelling, but I'm seeing like the squatness of these turtles and stuff. Like that's very Richard Corbin. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I see like a lot of Richard Corbin kind of sh- ticks, but also Von Baudet is in here when you see like a lot of this lettering. Oh, and... absolutely. And that was it back then, right? It, for me, you know, going to school and seeing all the graffiti on the wall and and just I, I never. I, I was never a big letters guy. Like I didn't care about graffiti letters. I always liked the characters. And here in LA during that time, it was like Slick and Hex and TGO, the gifted ones. And it was all, it was like that kind of all like big, it was Sam Keith style, big hands, big feet, Von Bode and tons of that in this art, you know? And that's why the, there's certain characters that are loved in comic books that a lot of graffiti artists like to, you know, put on the walls and vice versa, you know? Well, I was going to just say one one piece. This is their first meeting, right? This is Raphael stepping in on uh, Casey Jones, yeah. stops these muggers and just is destroying them. Yeah, and that's what brings Raphael into contact with them. Yeah, that's it's, right. It's the out crazying, like Raphael's like, I'm the crazy one, but this guy's even crazier than I am. Like, he, yeah, let's see him fuck up these c- criminals. But oh, he's going a little bit too far, and that's like the the Batman meter. Batman won't kill them, but the Punisher will. So it's. It's basically Batman hanging out with the Punisher right some, here. Yeah, some sort of Aesop's fable uh, moral play is, is happening here. So and cool when he reaches books, back to grab those size out of his bag. That's so sick. But in all these Turtles books, the it's always just one frame, less than one frame or one sentence of like, oh, you look weird. 
and never like, dude, you're a fucking mutant turtle. <laughs> like, like they never like, like, but I guess they got, just got to move the story along. But it'd be hilarious to see like the, uh, whenever they were all making superheroes realistic, do the turtles one where it's just like a whole issue of people being like, what are you? What are you coming from? And, and then, and then what happens, it's like that last episode of ALF where the feds come in with all of their apparatus and these little fuckers are going to be like Akira at the end of the movie. They're going to be a couple of eyeballs floating around in a jar. They're going to mm. be a brain with a <laughs> yes. spinal column because they are going to be taken to pieces. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, they'll be studied and taken apart and figured out how you can weaponize them. I remember um this was also the era of like pretty big D&D stuff happening at school and my mom being super religious wouldn't let us play D&D because that was Satan's that was the satanic panic was going on panic. in those 80s baby so going back to the first page editorial another thing a product that they put out during this time was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness role-playing game so I played that with my friends instead of D&D and so I know so many like variations of the story and like when you roll your character like how mutated do you want them to look like almost humanistic or half you know Can you grab that and I have I have notebooks and notebooks full of drawings of like my version of Splinter or what like a bat half gorilla half lobster creature would look like and um, got a shout got a shout out Alika Seki at uh, at Maui Comics yeah, who hooked dude. me up with a uh, with a copy there of that is. first printing and he said the way that you know that it's the first printing is if you look on the spine it says mm. uh, and other strangness. Strangness, yeah, oh, shit, dude. Yeah, man. Dude, yeah. so many feels. Oh, there it is. Look at that. Oh yeah, why was I showing it there? <laughs> yeah, to there's, the your, there's your strangness. Uh, uh, to there the favors out there. Uh, we got oh, a lot of, a lot of stuff happening. <laughs> my copy is. I don't even know. It was so dog-eared. Like just like I lived in that book. Like making my own characters and. I would make. Things. I would have more fun making and drawing my characters than actually going on like modules and, and little missions i feel like that's a lot of role-playing games if you're if you're like into making stuff and drawing and things like the, the making the characters is so much fun yeah uh speaking of fun good shot to the throat there on Raphael. <laughs> kind of crushes larynx super violent this one you know especially compared to the donatello one shot like it's such a different version of a story oh. peter laird seems soft-hearted and shit like that like he, yeah. like peter laird is a jack kirby guy yeah but like Kevin Eastman is the Corbin, the Miller, like, yeah. you know, he collaborates with Bisley and shit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's more heavy metal rock and roll. He bought heavy metal. <laughs> he had, he had that, uh, like, he had that Jerry Crow mullet. Yeah. So, you he know, married a, he married a penthouse model. Rest in peace, Julie uh, Strain. Oh, uh, what? What? Yeah. 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 She died. She did. Uh, not, not too long ago, actually. Holy fuck. Oh my God. That sucks. Um, there's still room for humor, though. He looks like he's taking a shit on him. One, two, <laughs> three, four. <laughs> Golf jokes. You know, you know what's real cool, man, is that we read that whole editorial. We spent 10 minutes, 15 minutes on that editorial piece. And these guys are so excited that a cartoon is, is at mm -hmm. least in production or toys, yada, yada. This exact scene right here, down to the four, is in the first movie. Like Casey mm -hmm. Jones says that when he clobbers uh, Don, uh, Raphael and, and leaves him on his ass, man. So like, you know, they did an editorial about some stuff happening, but they didn't even know that they wrote a piece of the fucking movie that's going to come out in two years. Yeah. And that's the thing is like this all, they were heavily in influenced by Miller and, and, and Daredevil and all this vigilante stuff up to even straight stealing the Daredevil origin. And all this is like adult comics, right? But when you read it, they still have this like corny ass, they don't cuss. They have all this corny ass, like Peter Parker kind of quips and, you know, like commentary while they're fighting like four. And like, I mean, it wasn't at the Cowabunga pizza level yet at this point, but it is as I'm reading this as an adult now, it's kind of corny. They're like comebacks and like. You know, I mean, it was fun as a kid. You're, it's, it makes sense. But. I wonder if that's some influence of the cartoon, because at this point, like the cartoons kind of made in production and stuff. So they've been seeing that evolution of having the pizza and the cowabunga and, and going in that direction. 
you wonder if that's starting to then inform Eastman and Laird as they're writing stuff like this, like getting more of the humor, that yeah. type of humor in there. Yeah, that's a good question. Like when, when the cartoon and stuff starts coming out, like I'm just in first grade, second grade, like it really was like all engines firing, like when I was in third grade and it would be the big brothers of kids that I was kicking it with who were like, you need to get the original comics, man. They're, 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 they're fucking, they're chopping heads off. There's so much blood. They say the F word a bunch. And I was so stoked. I'm like, I got to find this stuff. Where do I find it? And you find it and it's like, this stuff is super rad, but there's not one fuck word or whatever. But I yeah. think that they might've come across those like Michael Zuli issues where the turtles look real crazy, super detailed, yeah, yeah. like real box turtles or leatherback turtles or something. And mm. uh, they just got shit confused or something. Could be. Raphael does not do well though. No. He gets his ass handed to him in this first Bro. round. And, uh, you know, as a, as a street angel creator, I have to admire the dumpster art. Good, good stuff. Good alley. <laughs> good, like detritus and stuff on the ground there. It's a good word, detritus. It's harder to draw than it should be. It is. Ooh, some good mood lighting on our Casey Jones. May make him look kind of ominous. It looks really awesome. That whole shadow behind him is super cool. And this is where Eastman's going Eisnerian because he's standing against this billboard. You see a big R. It's semi-familiar. And then when you pull back, man, you see it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle billboard. Nice self-promo there. But you know what? Like, we don't know where these guys are at. So that could still be Frank Miller influence because uh, he would put that kind of stuff in um, the, the Daredevil comics. Yeah, right. It's a great page, though. If you were going to own a page, man, that'd be a pretty good one. All right, I'll get on it, guys. <laughs> there Contact was, your, your people. There was a moment where uh, when maybe it was when Eastman was going through a divorce or something on the heavy metal website, he uh, was selling all the artwork to Tur Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1. So all the roughs, all the duotone boards, um, the script, um, something like a little over 100 pieces of paper uh, for $1 million. So like when you would go to the heavy metal site it was kevin eastman with like a bald cap or just some photoshop going like this one million dollars and just like <laughs> laying it out he just had it for sale wow. i don't think he sold it like i because there's all those artisan editions and stuff like that i don't i don't know that it went anywhere but it's he, so funny to see this because you know there's been so much violence in all the comics we read today that like punching and kill and you know stabbing and it's like to see go from starting with Punisher and like blood in every frame <laughs> and how baggy his pants were. And then to see Casey Jones trying to be scary, holding two bats, but his pants are so tight and he's wearing a belly shirt. And it's like the fashion sense from like, is that scary to have a guy with very tight sweatpants where you can see the outline of his penis and then a belly shirt coming after you? He's got Velcro. He's got Velcro uh, sneaks on also. But I would, I would These suggest right out of Back to the Future. That's the Back to the Future shoot. The Reebok pumps. You know, you know, Dave, man. You like, you you say all that stuff, and I'm thinking about like '90s West Coast, like gangster energy. <laughs> when um, remember when dudes had a would have a pacifier like a baby binky in their mouth and shit. There's nothing more scary than Actually, a really yeah, strong you know looking dude you're, you're with a right. binky a in his mouth. A guy in a belly shirt with a baby pacifier, a binky in his mouth is probably way scarier. You than would shit your pants, man. A skull on his t-shirt coming towards you. <laughs> Another one of his uh, strike three turkey year out doing a baseball pun as he throws the baseball bats to take this guy out. Yeah, man. The Punisher, I feel like, is though the New York superhero, right? Like, if you go to New York, you see the Punisher shirts sold at every bodega, you know. And the, oh yeah, quick uh, tangent: like Frank Miller lives in fucking Hell's Kitchen, like still today. Like he took the money from Dark Knight Returns, the first one, got himself a. I haven't been to his house, but when i heard that i'm like you fucking live where daredevil lives like this is crazy like his studio looks so fucking cool man like it like it looks like a big loft space uh with high ceilings like big wall of windows a lot of light coming in yeah yeah it does look like a good space and he and he makes jokes about it like he said like when he went down to um eisner's crib in florida Eisner just uses a back bedroom and he felt all pretentious that he has this like big giant, you know, like a school lunchroom amount of uh, 
space to make his 11 by 17 comic pages. Where are we at? We are at Casey telling this guy, see you in the next life, dung ball. He's going to kill this guy. That was a good one because he kind of does look like a dung ball. But... <laughs> and Casey Jones is going to fuck you up if you if you still... Uh, if you steal a candy bar or something, like like you're done, man. You don't want to get on his radar. It looks like he's wearing like uh, do you do you remember like raccoon skin hats? Total Davy Crockett hat. It looks like that's hat, what man. he's wearing right there. Scott Farkas from uh, <laughs> yes. Christmas Story. That's right. <laughs> but it allows Raphael to get the drop on him. That look that looks Jeez. phallic. Yeah. So so dude, that's that's the that's the Blumpkin because that's the turd and the. Yep, fucking there it is. Red Rocket. DP. <laughs> so if we may keep it score, man, it was a Casey Jones won the first round. Uh, was this round a wash? Yeah, a I'd push? call that a draw. Yeah. Good yeah. poses here, though. And I like this, uh, again, like doing black and white very well where you get the corner of the building. Now this side's in black. It almost creates panels within panels. This whole page layout, I think, is really strong. I like the inset panel, and I like the uh, I, I like Raphael's hiding in shadow and thinking about, do I chase him? Do I come out in the light where <laughs> also, people can see like, me? And he's scared of of Leo as the leader, like older bro. He's like Leo's gonna be pissed if I come out into the shadows, and he's like, ah, fuck it, you know, like which which makes sense for a teenager, right? As a yes. teenager, your parents tell you all the rules: don't do this. There's curfew, this and that, and it's like. Yes, yes, I'm a mutant. Yes, I'm a turtle, but I'm also a teenager and fuck the rules. I'm Raphael. And I have tested. Yeah. So this is, I guess this is the first time like humans on the street are seeing this for the first time. Yeah, man, because every other time they got that trench coat and that little, uh, that little yeah. Dick, <laughs> Dick, Dick, Dick Tracy hat. Yeah, they do really well with these different environments, too. You know, we're going from alleys, crossing the street, and they always do streets pretty well, Eastman and Laird. So jumping through all this traffic, and now we're in the park, and we're in, like, foliage, sneaking along, and you get the uh, your classic Fantastic Four Hulk thing showdown as they're, mm -hmm. like, back-to-back -back under the same foliage in the shadows. Yeah, pretty close to the cover of the original uh, first printing of uh, Raphael, because this, this is a reprint. I mean, how many drawings, like, because you guys are a little bit younger than me, like, how many drawings do you have from, like, your little kid days of just the turtles? You know what's so funny, man? Like, uh, you guys talk for two seconds. And, like, I, I, within arm's reach, like, I have one or two to show. Dave, I mean, do you have a lot of art from, from uh, your childhood? Yeah, my mom kept all of it. I, I had a very similar, you know, thing like Frank Miller. My mom, she just, she was so encouraging. She just wanted me to draw and... My dad would bring home these like Xerox flyers from his work that had printing on one side. He's like, you can draw on the back. So I just, you know, I didn't really finish a lot of drawings. Like I, but I drew that bandana with the teeth. <laughs> yes. Like that, that I drew that turtle's face so many times. I'd get, I'd kind of lose interest by the time I got to the turtle tail dick part. But um, <laughs> I, I, the amount of times I drew ninja size and nunchucks and, the the three fingers and and the the knee pads and the elbow pads like it was just it's just in, like i could draw this shit in my sleep like i you know the same way batman's iconic like i've just drawn the turtles so many times and once in a while when i'm like cleaning out my house and i go through some boxes i'll i'll find one and i'm just like wow i'm 45 now and i've been drawing this shit since i was eight years old like it's it's pretty crazy to think about that, you know. That's amazing. It's uh, it's, it's think of how many ninja weapons these guys sold, because like they would be at flea markets when I was coming up and stuff, and I loved them. And it's all because of this, like seeing them all the time in, in turtles, and then you'd see like nunchucks. Like every yeah. kid had to buy nunchucks. That was actually the thing that I traded the kid Chris down the street for his Zartan, but they were like plastic fake nunchucks, and then later that night, like you know, his mom, like dragging him by his ear to my house and go, did your son try to do this, this like action figure for these like shitty nunchucks? And so I'm like, shitty. And I was like, oh man, like just watching like the Bruce Lee movies and this and the action figures in my mind, I was like, I'm going to get really good at two things, throwing ninja stars and nunchucks. <laughs> and I, I, to be honest, at one point in my life, uh, in a very dark time in my life, I ordered like hundreds and hundreds of ninja stars just because I was like, I want to be that guy that has like 
like every, anywhere I go, I always have like 10 ninja stars on me and I got really good at throwing them. Like it's just <laughs> where your finger ends up and I could hit my mark pretty good. And they actually hurt because they were like the really sharp ones. Yeah, I'm but sure. I was just like, man, that would be such a dope skill to just be the guy. Oh, all right. All right. Wait, wait, wait. Hold he's, on. He's punching the dude's you? head off. <laughs> wait, for context, how old are you for this? Because this is really good. 1995, I would be uh, 12 or 13, depending on where it lies with uh, oh, July. And then there's a second page. Let's see. Wait. Oh, yeah, there it is. You knocked the guy's head off. Yeah, just punched it off. And look, see, he says ass, but it's at, uh, that, oh, yeah. that at <laughs> sign with $2 dollar signs oh did you print this somewhere this like is in amazing no like, in fact don't be surprised if the person that's trying to kill me doesn't end up dead himself Eastman <laughs> could write write that that's good wait stuff. wait wait Ed, Ed, Ed. what's on the page on the other page oh man it's it. a it's a violator clown oh yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so good john lugazama would be proud there's deadpool oh my god and then Dude, and amazing. then that's uh, redrawing uh, pages from JRJR Daredevils. Oh my God. Can you please print everything in there as a zine? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh I should. Oh, and so check this out. Dave, you appreciate this shit, man. Bootleg. This is how I bootlegged comics oh, when I was a kid. Nice. Uh, just just uh, Xerox my Wait, friend's issues. You're Xeroxing and then you're coloring it yourself? Yeah. Holy shit. Oh, there's a spawn meter that. Fuck you, Todd. Spawn was supposed to eventually use up his meter and die, yeah. and that was like the the little selling point. It, he's still here. Spawn looks cool as a uh, black and white outlaw comic. It does. Yeah. That photocopying is very flattering to to some of those pages, at least. Yeah. <laughs> we digress. Um, Two power poses with our dudes. Thanks so, for sharing that. Oh yeah, yeah, that. yeah. Sorry, I it took so long to find it. No, no, I love that. This is a really great Casey Jones. But again, man, they're just back at it. This is such a good fight comic. Mm -hmm. You know, like we were talking about fight comics with that Punisher issue. Like, this is a pretty damn good fight comic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I have no complaints. Underneath all of that, it's like, you're a weirdo, I'm a weirdo. Can we just be friends? The, like... Yeah, that's that's how all the that's how all the tandem of uh Casey Jones and Raphael ends up. Like every story. That the last yeah. piece is always like them like, you know, with their arms around one another ready to, to kick some ass. Great move, shattering the hockey stick on his stomach. Flexing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> This is a very Corbin page. Very, very sexy page. <laughs> He's like, yeah, like, like, see, Raph is just like, you know, we've been teasing the moment for too long. You've been running around with that belly shirt. Like, let me see what's under there. Yeah. Revealing the one nipple. You know, yeah. this is inexplicable. Like, how does this fit in, like, the fight that they've been having? I can see, like, in a real fight, you know, you're pulling a shirt up over, you're just grabbing stuff, whatever. But you're drawing a very deliberate picture here. Like, it's a weird choice. It's it's a it's a very sexy page. <laughs> it's very strange. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. It's kind of strange. Yeah. And, uh, maybe maybe the relationship between Raphael and Casey Jones is the relationship between Eastman and Laird. You don't know how far away this head is from that hockey mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say like as as we pull back, like these silhouettes are getting stranger and stranger. I only see three legs in this picture, for instance. The very next one is fucking <laughs> Rorschach, like in the window side when that when yeah. the ladies with the dude and they're wrapped around each other. Like that's the very next panel. They just didn't draw it. That could be a porno comic right there. Dude, in Japan, uh, at at uh, Mandarake's like I went to the one floor that's all doujinshi, which is just um, like amateur comics. Like they have the mm -hmm. whole comic convention. Oh yeah, yeah. There is a whole shelf of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle doujinshi of just. I don't know if they got the memo that they're all brothers, mm -hmm. but so it's just like an extra level of taboo. T Turtle incest porn. Yeah. Incest is best. Incest is best, and I yeah I I'm I haven't been back to Japan in a long time, but understandably I, so. I, well, I, I didn't even. What's it called? It's like fan comics where everyone is gay for each other. It's like here's one where Batman fucks Robin. Yeah, boys love. Boys yeah, love. Yeah, we. And the whole thing behind it, you know, my friends that live in Japan say the whole culture behind it is when you go to a Japan Japanese co Comic Con, there's a whole section which is like Artist Alley here, and everyone does zines, but like. It's like a Twilight zine, but like the vampire fucks the werewolf. And the crazy thing is, 
it's all these super gay comics, but they're all written and drawn by women. And part of them selling it and, uh, and, and marketing it for themselves is to be shameful. Like you come to the table and you're supposed to be like, what is this filth? And they go, they hold it up and they're like, they're like, I did this dirty, nasty comic. Like, will you please buy it? And it's part of this whole thing. You know, this is how it was explained to me. I don't know if it's true, but they're like, the whole process behind it is to draw like the most taboo brother, sister, parent, fucking incest, you know, like Seinfeld, but George fucks, you know, Seinfeld, like a lot of American stuff, a lot of Japanese stuff. And then to sell it with your head bowed and be ashamed that you drew it. That's like, I'm sorry I drew this, you know, very Japanese, by the way. Super yeah. fascinating. I will say that above the turtles uh, shelf, there was a pretty substantial Captain America Winter Soldier <laughs> section. And I will also say that uh, I was the only male on that floor, like in the doujinshi section. Uh -oh. And it was all, I would say, 40 something year old uh, wow. women. Wow. Who were grabbing their porno comics. I think well, we there's a Star Trek fan fiction that is similar in both like the audiences and the content. That's uh, that's I guess it's American. It's in English. Um, yeah. It's, Ed, it's... I, Ed, I got to ask you. So the, the audience wants to know, did you buy any? You know what? I didn't. And it, I feel so <laughs> dumb because I took so many pictures and I put them up on Instagram and stuff. And yeah. then like when I'm looking at the photos, I'm like, this cost only eight dollars like why didn't i fucking grab yeah, this just, shit just, man? As a, just as a researcher you know just <laughs> i mean dude i mean that's what i'm i'm grabbing all of it when i go back dude gay turtles is definitely the next comic we should break down you know? <laughs> and this could be the cover <laughs> oh yeah so so horny more of that drawing in duotone in that background there yeah yeah that's a good page for it and this is exactly what you said, Dave, of them like yeah. identifying that they're weirdos and they have that in common. And uh, let's get them. <laughs> let, let's let's jump into the into the Simon Bisley body count yeah. comic is what I'm seeing. What what they should be saying in this page? Yes, yeah. sir, man. Yeah, that we'll unpack that one one time for sure. And then so so this is where the original first issue completely ends. But this is a reprint, and Eastman and Laird were good about giving extra value whenever they would reprint stuff. You know, fresh covers. Uh, every now and then, Richard Corbin pops up, does a backup or something. This it, this story, I recognize, it's from, I don't know where it originally appeared, but I remember it from the first comics color reprints. There was two extra stories in the back. There was like a Peter Laird one where Donatello's reading comics and the couch comes alive or something. I remember because there's like Nexus comics and Love and Rockets and, and mm. American Splendor. And uh, this was the Kevin Eastman contribution that is like very clearly... Dark Knight Returns has come out and mm. established that kind of storytelling with like the four rows of panels with like a bunch of panels like going left and right. And also the thin line, the Klaus, Klaus Janssen's Janssen. thin pen line. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Some Von Baudet uh, tip of the yeah. hat here. I was going to say like the you, first you brought up as an inspiration, but there it is straight up. And to go even more into how influential and impactful these comics were to me as a 12 year old, it's like. I did go into comics. I did go into graffiti. And I also, long story, I'll tell it some other time. I did stop a thief once with a golf club and a baseball bat. And, you know, it's like Casey Jones, like what a strange guy. He's a fucking violent vigilante that his best friend is a mutant turtle. He listens to U2 Joshua Tree, wears belly shirts, and then also does graffiti. Like he's also like a sensitive, he's not just a violent guy. He's also an artist and he has can control. And a quick backstory on Von Bode is he has a son named Mark, Mark Bode. Bo, I don't know how you say their name, Bode. And uh, I had a friend that uh, interviewed them, uh, Mark, years ago for Juxtapose. And uh, if, I, if I remember correctly, the way Von Bode raised his kid was basically showing him all those characters that he drew as if they were real people, like real characters. So when you see Mark Bode's uh, art, it looks exactly like his dad's because to him, it wasn't a fantasy. He was like, these are real characters that my dad hangs out with. And he just taught him how to draw it. So it's pretty crazy. And like, probably in the graffiti world, like one of the most copied characters on, on walls and murals. You totally, know? man. You grab grab subway art or spray can art, man. You see the yeah. green lizard everywhere. Oh, even this lettering 
Were you about to call that I, out? I, well, you know what I was going to say is this reminds me so much of Miller Sin City lettering and, you know, yeah. this story, of course, before that. But this exact scree is uh, ish, issue one of uh, Dark Knight Returns with the cop car. Mm, like, right. like right before Batman appears. And once again, just way more of that Klaus kind of ink line trying mm. to approximate that and number of pan bunch more of the small panels. Yeah, it's cool this to see it. Just, this is just Eastman, right? Uh, Eastman and like Steve Levine or something. So so basically Eastman. Story and art Eastman. Oh yeah, word. Levine doing the letters. Oh word, cool. So you can just when you see just Eastman, you could see like how much, like how much influence Laird had with when they drew together. You know, like totally. Pretty interesting. I think you're seeing some Eric Talbot influence too. You know, I feel like he's yeah. hooked up with them at this point. And and uh, yeah. you know we know that he likes Talbot almost like Bisley, right? Because like he's doing Melting Pot with Talbot first. Um, mm -hmm. So I think you can see a little bit of Talbot's influence uh, on uh, Eastman's art here, too. Not sure when the original issue one came out, but there definitely feels like an evolution in his drawing ability mm -hmm. between this story and the last one. There's like he wears his influences on his sleeve. Rare it is right there, man. Like, uh, lest we forget the Frank Miller influence, like right. it doesn't get more. I mean, that's the mutant leader without without the yeah. knife nipples. That looks exactly like the mutant leader looks like Frank Miller vibe, Sons of the Batman, like whole thing. Yeah, it's even the symbol, like the, the Batman symbol. Oh, from yeah, yeah, totally. And even isn't even there's something in the Dark Knight with like breaking rifles, like the guy breaks the rifle. Oh, yeah. Oh, and and, and that, that setting, man, that could be where that could be where uh, Batman shoots those guys with a 50 caliber gun, but doesn't kill them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah just incredible straight out Calm. of canon films dude this is designed to be a two-page spread yeah look you at know, that like you can see even the muzzle blast continues on so i don't know what maybe they... wherever this appeared first it would have worked that way yeah I, I do remember fold out pages in the in the um first comics but i don't remember about that one it's so funny Kate, because Kate. page one is on the right hand page like yeah it's set up correctly until you get here and then it's wrong that that gun sound could be could even spell burrito. Up there. It really looks like it spells burrito. <laughs> burrito. <laughs> it's absurd. Like they're doing so much gun firing, and why? This is it. This is our childhood. To to pay off the uh, suit of armor, just, just like uh, Paul Paul's uh, concrete. Yeah, totally. <laughs> juggernaut you know there's like an oculus rift or something like like some sort of vr headgear that when mm -hmm. you put it on it has these two dots like sort of where the eyes go and it makes anybody look like a freaking doofus mm -hmm. like it almost looks like that you, you cannot look cool with that with that headgear on because it, <laughs> it looks like a charles burns kind of because the eyes because the circles are far apart also so it looks like a charles burns proportion face did Did you someone ever... in the Turtles uh, universe, I don't know if they ever made this juggernaut concrete guy into a toy, but that this guy is cool, man. They should make that into a toy. It's pretty fun, but uh, did you ever see Project Grizzly? <laughs> it's about this guy in Canada that spent like years building a, a grizzly proof suit so that he could go do grizzly research. Oh. <laughs> and they would, they would, like the whole documentary is him just pulling out the Mark IV. It's like the fourth version that he made. And it sort of resembles this. It's 90 minutes build up. They put the helmet on. He needs help getting into the thing. So the last step is put the helmet on and he just panics. It's exactly like this. And then he falls over in the mud and can't get up. <laughs> it's kind of exactly what you see in this sequence. Oh my God. <laughs> Someone make a custom uh, toy of that, please. It's always dope whenever uh, Eastman does a splash page because he always puts his little Easter eggs in there and you could see what he's into at the time. So there's Mazzucchelli Miller, Daredevil, uh, Melting Pot is mentioned. So that speaks to your Eric Talbot um, connection. Man spreading. They're spreading their legs wide. And I think if, if I re remember correctly, that box on top of the TV looks like those cable things that steal channels. So <laughs> yeah, man. Maybe they're stealing all their cable right there. They're down there in the sewer. Something tells me that they, they can't they can't pay their bills. Very complex character. Listens to YouTube, you know, Joshua Tree, does graffiti, but also likes to chill with his bros and watch TV. And then also likes to 
kill people that jaywalk. It might know. even be smoking, man. That looks like an ashtray. Totally. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else that could be. Richard Corbin here, Children, Children of Fire poster, mm-hmm. small there in the background. Fantastic, man. And and like these guys, they would make the scene. The The black and white comics boom is already happening. And very often they would just do a little largesse, give give some indie creator a couple of dollars to draw a pin up. Uh, I'm not familiar with this with this uh, cartoonist, but surely probably has an issue of something out there on, on their own at the, uh, from around this time period. Turtle soup, maybe. Super cool, super fascinating, and uh, David chopping it up with you could have made this uh, this this comic any better, dude. Dude, this was like one of the best mornings I've ever had. Like, I yeah, I, I this is I know you asked me, and I was just like, it's such a I'm such a creature of habits. Like, I go on Wednesday, I get my comics, I read it by myself to take this you know stroll down memory lane and like revisit these things that like shaped my childhood and shaped uh like my adult life basically <laughs> i can see now after going through turtles punisher and gi joe like how much of you know as i'm wearing a hoodie that i drew myself of mushrooms like how much i still and not that that's a bad thing but how much i'm still in certain levels of my life in arrested development um and that's you know that's good in a lot of ways and in a lot of ways it's bad but um this has been like a complete trip out of body experience for me I, um, I'll fucking read comic books with you guys any days, especially and preferably if they're gay Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle comics. <laughs> well, like, once Japan lets us back things, in. Well, I would never buy it because I'd be like, I'm not gay. I'm not going to, but I'm like, just as an artist, I should be curious. I would see, I want to see, every, you know, like you guys, you guys are so curious. You guys, you know, you know, go to the depths of every, like the, the minutia, the details, everything you guys cover is like, you guys got to go there, man. The gay fan comics, you know. Send Just us a matter your, of time. Send us your doujinchis. P.O. Box 3071, <laughs> Munhall, PA, 15120. Two copies. Dude, I just got to tell you guys, I know we talk, for, like, and I always say this, but just, like, you guys are life, man. Just keep it up, man. The, the fucking Peter Chung, the Gru, Sergio Aragones, the gaming uh, McFarland stuff, the this depositions. I mean... It's just, it doesn't, it just keeps getting better and better, like, you know, and, uh, Well, Dave, yeah. this, this is a new wrinkle for the Kayfabe channel, and this is the Maiden Voyage, man. It was, it was so cool to, 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 you know, do this stuff with you for the, the, the first round. Now, yeah, now comes the point where, like, you know, we close things out, and then Jimmy and I are sitting here quaking, pulling open the video, to see if the audio captured correctly and everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, <laughs> so uh, thanks a lot. Is there anything you want to uh, call attention to before we get out of here? Absolutely, man. Just read more comics, man. Like, I, I just keep thinking this shit's going to die. Like, once again, like, I found a good kid's comic, uh, Jonah by Sam- Chris Samney is dope. Like, the, all the Tommies are killing it. Tommy Taylor, Tommy King. Like, dude. I just, I just like, you know, like I, I kind of get burnt out sometimes because I'm like, man, it's all been said, it's all been told, the origins, to-, you know, and then I go back and, you know, the new Supergirl by Tom King is dope. All everything he does, I love like the Strange Adventures, um, the the Rorschach book he did. It's weird to say one of my favorite, all of my favorite books are like mainstream stuff, but like Daniel Warren Johnson on Beta Ray Bill. Um, uh, fuck, what else? Uh, Nightwing. Tom Taylor on Nightwing is killing it right now. I like this book, House on a Lake. Stray Dogs is dope. Uh, Craig Thompson did this book about him growing up picking ginseng, which is amazing. That's a beautiful book. Simon Hanselman collected all his online shit he did during the pandemic, which is the crisis zone, which is like like the best thing ever. And I don't know, I could just go on and on. It's just, if you're if you're watching this and you got to this We've, been, we've pretty much been talking for over three hours of just about comics. So if you got here, you're already reading comics. But I'm like, it's it's what I talked about with Brian K. Vaughn that night of, is Saga ever going to be a TV show? You know? And it's like, how could it? I mean, I'm sure they could, but it would be some Hollywood watered-down version. It's like, Crisis Zone can only exist as a, as a, as a comic. Red Zone can only exist as a comic. Like, 
paper, uh, saga, like it's going to be so shitty if they make that into a, like, we're not there yet. And so it's like this last art form where we're like, kind of, even with all the Hollywood attention, we're still kind of the underdog. We're still kind of disrespected. And, and yet it is, why do we keep coming back there for the source material? Because this is it, man ladies and germs, like this is it. Like this is the last place where you can draw and write whatever the fuck you want. And it's not, you know, do it yourself, man. Take a, take a, take a page out of TMNT, like Eastman and Laird, man. Yeah. If you want to get attention and get, uh, you know, you need a paycheck and you need a, you want to be a jobber or some shit, work for Marvel and DC, you know, get, get some fame under your name. But once you do that, or just jump ahead, just fucking completely believe in yourself, make your own thing. And, and you know, we all want what Casey Jones and Raphael want. We just want connection. We're all outcasts. You know, Zanzibar is the fucking outcast of the dreadnoughts, the outcast of the outcasts. You know, we're all, all comic books are artists and comic book people are outcasts. We're the outcasts of the outcasts. We're fucking watching YouTube videos about comics. It's like, Dude, we just want connection. We just want stories. We want to be entertained, educated, enlightened. And, and so just that's not going to happen if you don't do your best and you do it at a corporation. Do it for yourself. Tell that story. Don't be scared. You know, show the sexy poses, the belly shirts, whatever you got to do. <laughs> Tell your truth. I'm going off on some rant again, but that's it, man. I love comics. I think, you know, I know you guys love comics. Just keep doing comics. Keep buying comics. Keep supporting comics. You know, there it is. Good place. Well said, Dave. And I got one for you. Make yeah. more comics. <laughs> <laughs>